Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Welcome. My name is Jessica Stafford. I'm the Director of Children's Ministry here at Community of Hope. Usually I'm over on the West Campus where my family and I generally worship, but I'm really excited to be here with you guys today. So thanks for having me here. Um, Wasn't that worship awesome? Man, it was so good. I, I love singing Christmas songs. I love this stage. Like, I think we should just leave it up through January at least. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're really excited around here. Christmas is ramping up. You heard us talk about what some of our Christmas Eve offerings are. We've been working behind the scenes on things like Blue Christmas, which if you haven't checked that out yet, make sure you do. Or if you know someone who has been in grief this season, make sure you send that to them. Just wanted to run through real quick your Christmas Eve um, options here. So remember here at the East Campus, we'll have an English service at 5 p.m. and then a Spanish service at 7. We'll be outside at West Campus at 5 and 7. We're praying now for the weather to be great, right? Um, And that'll be a family service, bring a blanket or a chair. And then if you're not comfortable looking at a larger group or if you have friends or family in town or whatever is going on that online is better for you, we're really excited about our online option this year. It's a special experience crafted just for online. It's not a service that's streamed. It's made specifically for online. So always at Christmas, we remind you that now is the time especially to be inviting people you know. So we have some Christmas cards out around the lobby you can bring with you. Or if you're someone who's on social media or sharing things through email, make sure you share that online experience because that is going to be really um, special this year. And the kids even did a little special surprise on the online. So even if you come in person, still check out the online. It'll be available on the 21st. Okay, and then also remember, just a quick reminder that on the 27th, the Sunday after Christmas, is Christmas, our service will be online only. So if you're someone who needs help seeing the service online, or if you know someone who does, if you would stop by the welcome desk after service and let them know, then we have a team that we're going to be sending out to help people make sure that everyone can participate with us on the 27th and moving forward online. Okay, so we are in week three of our Advent series that we've been calling Make Room, where we're talking about making room for Jesus in our life, this season especially, but of course all year long. And through this series, we've been using a memory verse, Luke 2, verses 6 and 7. So before we get into everything, we're going to read this out loud together. All right, let's read it. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And we kind of took our cue for this Make Room series from that last part where it says there was no guest room available for them and that we never want to be the people who don't have room for Jesus. 
And you know, one of the traditions that we do during this season to help us remember to take time to anticipate the arrival of Jesus, to really wait for him is, ad, we call this Advent, right? We do an Advent wreath. And this year in Kids of Hope, we actually gave our families their own little family Advent wreath kits. So you may not realize this, but we gave out a little paper wreath, little tea light purple and pink candles, a white votive for a Christ candle. We have weekly little scripture and devotions and prayer. And we really invited our families who maybe didn't grow up in a Christian household or have never done this tradition to step into that with us. And I know we started this Advent wreath at my home. I have a, a two daughters who are four and one just turned eight yesterday. So she's eight. And, um, The Advent wreath has been one of our most favorite Christmas traditions in my house because taking that time each evening or most evenings when we get it um, to light the candle, to turn off the lights, just to be slow for a minute, to quit the hustle and bustle, to think about the reason has been just really important for our family. So we've lit our first two weeks of candles, and this week I'm going to invite Paul and Tina up to light our third candle. And as we've lit these candles, we've remembered um, the first week that we talked about preparing our heart through confession and repentance. And then last week we talked about making time, and this week we'll light the third, and we're going to talk about making Jesus our treasure. All right, thank you guys. So as we get into this, I wanted to share something really cool that is happening. And maybe some of you have seen this because I've seen a couple people share things about it. But have you heard about the Christmas star that we're going to be able to see? Okay, so this is a picture of um, the Christmas star and we have Jupiter on the left. Nope, yes. Saturn. I'm not an astronomer, okay? The two brightest dots are Saturn and Jupiter. And we're going to go with that. But what is amazing is that the Christmas star next week on Monday, December 21st, these two planets, Saturn and Jupiter, are going to be aligned the most closely that they've been in over 800 years. So the last time that this phenomena that astronomers call the Christmas star happened was March 4th, 1226. And basically, these two planets are coming into such close alignment that it's called a conjunction. It'll look like one giant star. And it's really cool because this does happen often where they overlap, but because of how close they are to Earth, we'll be able to see it without any special telescopes or binoculars or any sort of equipment. Um, So we'll just be able to look up into the sky and see what looks like this giant Christmas star. And many people believe that this may have been, in fact, what the wise men saw all those many years ago in that Christmas season. So I just thought that was so cool because today we'll be talking about the wise men, actually, the Magi. And so mark your calendars for next Monday to go check out the Christmas star. Um, So as I said, we're going to be looking at the story of the wise men today from the Gospel of Matthew. So we're going to read our passage, which is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And it will be on the screen, and you can follow along with me. So we're reading about the Magi here. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, "'Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews?' 
We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So today's message is called Treasure Hunt. And let's pray together. Father God, we know you were in this place before we walked through these doors. And so we pray now that you would just make your presence even more tangible to us. Lord, send your spirit to fill this room. God, help us to open our hearts and our ears to what you have to say to us. Let us put aside the things that may distract us or worry us or keep us from coming fully into your presence. Lord, let us hear exactly what you want us to hear today. And Lord, may the words coming out of my mouth be not mine, but yours. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so you're probably pretty familiar with the Magi or the wise men, right? We have nativity scenes, manger sets that have the wise men there. We read storybooks about them. We sing songs, right? We three kings. It's just me singing on the stage by myself. Okay. You know, we joke about it. We say if they were really wise men or if they were wise women, they would have brought diapers or food, not just these random gifts. (laughs) But much of what we know about the Magi isn't actually true. So let's talk about a little bit of their background. It never says in scripture that there were three. That's just something that our culture has assumed or created. There is probably more like a caravan of them, and they may have even brought their servants, their households. They did bring the three gifts, and those symbolized, they're not just random, like I said. They were gifts that would be brought to a king because they knew the baby was born king of the Jews. They were astrologers, not astronomers like the Christmas star, astrologers, which means they watched the heavens, the skies, and tried to predict the future, which is really interesting because God came to these wise men who were practicing astrology, which he had expressly forbidden in the Hebrew Bible. He came to them, although they were from um, Persia, which is like modern-day Iran, so they weren't Jewish, they weren't from Israel, they were doing something he had said do not do, and yet he chose them to lead them to, ba- to this baby. 
Because we know that they were from where it is now modern-day Iran, their journey would have taken them months to get to Bethlehem. It may have even taken a year or more. So most of us, myself included, have manger scenes with shepherds lined up on one side and, ma- and wise men on the other, right? But in actuality, the shepherds would have been there at the beginning, and the wise men may have, Jesus would have been a couple of months old at the youngest, or maybe even a toddler when they arrived. And we know um, that they came to Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem, probably at one of Joseph's like family's extra rooms or something like that, not necessarily in the stable where he was born. We also know that their journey was not just like point A to point B, right? They were on camel, a camel caravan through the desert. I love this picture from one of my kids' Christmas books called The Christmas Promise because I feel like it shows them just kind of wandering in this desert, and it looks like a treasure map to me. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, is treasure. You know, we know that they brought treasure, right? Those three gifts. But as our team was kind of studying this passage and thinking about this message, we were talking about how treasure can be both a noun, like the gifts that they presented, but also a verb, And even earlier in the Christmas story, we see the use of treasure this way. In Luke 2.19, right after the shepherds have visited Mary and baby Jesus, it says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So here's what I'm trying to say. It looks like they were just trying to bring their treasure to Jesus. But what we really learn from the Magi is how they treasure the verb how they treasure Jesus. So we'll be talking about today about how we make rooms and make room for God in our lives when we choose to treasure Christ. So right away in our passage, the first thing we see is that we seek what we treasure, right? That one's a pretty obvious one. The first verses, Matthew 2 verses 1 and 2 show us this. They say that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So we know that they're seeking baby Jesus, the one who has been born king of the Jews. And people will go to great lengths to seek treasure, right? Especially here on the beaches. I remember always seeing people out with their metal detectors, right? Has anyone heard of the forest fen treasure? Okay, so I'm going to show you a picture of this guy, Forrest Fenn. He's the one on the right. And he had a long, full life. He retired from, I think, the Elder Force, and he started in, in art and antiquities um, kind of dealership, all these shops in New Mexico. He received a terminal cancer diagnosis, and he decided that he wanted to leave a legacy and, like, a physical legacy of treasure, <laughs> So back in 2010, he looked through, I guess, his antiquity supplies, and he found an actual literal treasure box, like from centuries ago, and he packed it full of things that they estimate were worth one to two million dollars. He packed in rare coins and jewels and jewelry and just all sorts of things that are exactly what you picture when you hear the word treasure. So he was 80 in 2010, and he went to a spot in the Rocky Mountains, and he hid his treasure. Then he published a memoir, self-published a memoir that told short stories about himself and had a poem at the back. 
And the poem, he said, had seven clues to find the treasure. This started a treasure hunt that has spanned the nation, and I'm sure people from around the globe. And it's estimated that over 350,000 people participated in this hunt. He told them it was north of Santa Fe in the mountains, and that was about it. (laughs) So an article from the Washington Post said that many people left behind their jobs, spent their life savings on the quest, and at least four people even died looking for this treasure. So the reason I'm telling you this, the reason it's big in the news now, is this man on the left found the treasure in June. He had spent months and months, um, he said he listened to all of Forrest Fenn's radio interviews, all these stories about his life to try and figure out who this man was so that he could think like him. He, and then this, his last search, he spent 25 days in the wilderness of the Rocky Mountains. They still haven't told where it was, except for that it was in Wyoming. And he said he cried almost every day because he was so desperate. And then he finally found it. And he stayed anonymous until just this week he revealed his identity. So this is Jack Stoof. He is a medical student from um, Michigan, and he has found the treasure. (laughs) But the point is that we go great lengths to seek treasure, and that is just kind of something that's true about human nature. Jesus knew this, and he said in Matthew 6, 19 and 20, he spoke to this truth about treasure. And he said, do not... (laughs) Store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So we all seek treasure, but Jesus' point is that we seek the right kind of treasure that we would go to the same lengths that someone seeking an actual treasure box would go to to find Jesus and where he is working. Um, Randy Alcorn, who writes often about heaven, said this, he who lays up treasures on earth spends his life backing away from his treasures. To him, death is loss. But he who lays up treasures in heaven looks forward to eternity. He's moving daily toward his treasures. And to him, death is gain. He who spends his life moving toward his treasures has reason to rejoice. So to me, that's just a reminder that we think always about which treasures we are seeking. And Jesus also reminded us in that same teaching about the focus that we need to have when seeking treasure. Think about the single-minded focus that Jack Stoof had while seeking Forrest Fenn's treasure. We should have that same focus while we're seeking Jesus. In Matthew 6, he says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You know, that idea of seeking first, it ties right to our community of hope, our mission statement here, especially the second half. We say that we exist to interest disinterested people and grow together into fully devoted followers of him. And that's what seek first means, that with our whole selves, we are seeking God and his will. You know, God doesn't want half of us. 
right? And it's so easy, like that song we just sang, it's so easy to sometimes just go through the motions. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 29, 13, that says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You know, the song that kind of inspired this Make Room series, it plays during the bump video, and it's by a man named Jonathan McReynolds, and he talks about this idea of making room. If you haven't listened to the whole song, I would encourage you to do that, because he talks especially about making Jesus our treasure, about making him our priority. And here's a quote that he said kind of about how we, um, well, I'm just going to read you his words. He says, we have highly contradictory expectations of God. We expect him to protect us from the consequences of our bad choices, even if we fail to include him in the decision-making process. He's supposed to give us a pleasant and fulfilling life, even if the way we've lived has little to do with God at all. We expect him to lead us to marriage, but we don't bother to pray about who we date. We pray that he boosts our career when we don't have kingdom-minded plans regarding the money we would make. He says, contrary to what Matthew 6.33 says, we still expect God to give us what we want without us first seeking the kingdom and all his righteousness. That was a challenge to me this week. So let's think this week about what treasure we're seeking. And you know, if you're brave, maybe ask your spouse or a close friend or your kids, because we know they tell the truth about what they think is most important in your life. Because that Jesus is the treasure that we should be treasuring most as we see from the Magi. So secondly, we see that the Magi worship what they treasure, that we should worship what we treasure. And we see this in verse 11 from our passage, the first half of that verse, where it says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. You know, sometimes I think worship can be a tricky word because it can sound very churchy, right? We talk about, oh, we loved the worship this morning, which we did. But sometimes we think that worship is just about singing or just happens in church. And, you know, we were talking about this um, as we were thinking about this message. And we said, well, maybe our culture just isn't very good at worship anymore. And we kind of nodded. And then, then we thought about Saturdays in the fall in the South where people gather or used to gather by the thousands in college football stadiums. And we thought about people wearing, you know, you wear certain clothes, you're shouting for your team, you're clapping, you're singing for certain songs, you have certain things you say when you score. And we thought, well, that looks a lot like worship, doesn't it? And I'm not saying anything bad about college football because go Gators. But we as humans are made to worship. We do it naturally. The problem is that we don't always ascribe our worship to the right person, or we choose to ascribe it to a thing instead of to God. You know, worship is basically just expressing what is in our heart for what we love, and our God is a jealous God. And he gets jealous when we give our worship away to unworthy people or things. You know, when I first became a Christian at 14, I thought that worship always had to happen like in the church building. 
you know, it should be beautiful. There should be soft music, some candles lit. I thought there was a certain way it had to look and that if you didn't do it right, it wasn't going to work. (laughs) And so sometimes I think we don't tune ourselves to worship because we think that God has certain expectations of what that should be. So from that same book I showed you earlier, I love this picture of the wise men bringing their worship to baby Jesus. <laughs> I love it, and maybe it's because I'm in the young kid's stage of life, but like this is what it would have really looked like, right? Joseph is like juggling the logs, and Mary is trying to keep baby Jesus from going over and t- tugging on their fancy robes. Like This is what toddlerhood is actually like. Jesus was a real human. He was a real toddler. He would have been wanting to grab their crowns off their head just like babies do now. But I love the way this is portrayed because worship happens in the middle of our lives. It happens right there where things aren't perfect. It can happen while you're sitting at the dinner table. It can happen while you're reading a book with your kids. It can happen while you're taking a walk. You know, worship is a posture. It's a way that we keep God at the center of our lives. And, you know, this week I was um, meeting with a friend. We were grabbing a coffee. She's going through a really rough time. And she was telling me how she said, I don't know what's wrong with me. She said, I don't want to listen to any worship music. I used to love it. She said, I don't want to read my Bible, and I used to do it daily. She's like, I just, I don't know what to do. I just lay on the floor of my bathroom and I cry. And I looked at her and I said, God is on the floor of your bathroom too. And you can worship him right there. So don't feel like worship has to look like you've got it all together or know the right things to say because turning our hearts to God is what worship is. It's about service and sacrifice and obedience and just expressing our love to him. You know, and the last thing we see from the Magi is that they give their treasure to their treasure. Right, so that second half of verse 11 says that then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So as we said before, before, these are gifts that would have shown that they believed him to be a king. You know, most of us probably don't have chests of gold pieces and jewels like the wise men or like Forrest Finn. I know I don't. Maybe you guys do. But the treasures that we bring to God are no less valuable I've often um, heard it said that we can bring God our time, our treasures, or our time, our talents, and our money. So if we're not treasuring Jesus, those things are all going to go somewhere, right? So our time may go towards a hobby we're really passionate about. Our talents may go towards, you know, climbing the ladder at work. And our money may go, mine's going to Amazon right now. I don't know where yours is going. (laughs) But if we're not deliberate about where our treasures go that God has given us, they will go elsewhere. So we have to be really careful about what we give or who we give our treasures to. You know, we say around here that you can tell what's important to you by looking at your calendar and your checkbook or your banking app, maybe. And Jesus echoes that in Matthew 6, 21, when he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our heart is with our treasure, and so we need to be willing to give it to God. And here's the thing about what we offer God. He doesn't need 
us, right? He doesn't need our money, but he wants our hearts. As we just heard, our hearts are often with our money, with our treasure. You know, we don't talk often here about money because there are people in our church that are at all different walks of faith, right? Our church is full of people who have just started following Jesus, full of people who have followed him for decades and decades, full of people who are just kind of trying to figure out what this Jesus thing is all about. And so as Pastor Silva mentioned earlier, you know, maybe you fall into one of those categories where you've never given before, and maybe this season is the first time you do. Or you make something that's been hit or miss a little more regular. Or if you've been doing it forever, you ask Jesus, well, what's my next step there? But these are the pieces where we bring our actual treasure that God gives us to him, and we show that we trust him and we obey The other thing that happens when we bring our treasure to the Lord is we have the opportunity to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. So the verse right after the passage we read this morning, verse 13, says this. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So I didn't know this until I started studying for this message, and I thought it was really interesting. But many historians believe that what the wise men brought to them, so these valuable treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, may have actually financed their flight to Egypt. So what had happened here is that Herod issued a decree to kill every baby in Bethlehem under two years old because he did not want any competition as King Herod from the king of the Jews. But an angel thankfully warned Joseph, and think about it, they were in Bethlehem, which was where they had come to do the census. They were living in a stable, then staying maybe in someone's guest room, and they had to flee to a foreign country. Even back then, that would have taken money and resources to be able to do that. And so the wise men came bringing these treasures. They had no idea that what they gave is what helped keep Jesus safe as they fled to Egypt. And I just love that because we have no idea what God will do with what we give. You know, they didn't know that this was their plan. They just knew they needed to bring their treasures to the king. And right now, you know, you're sitting here because of someone else's offering or sacrifice. So when you bring treasure to God, it makes room in your own life for God but you're also making room for someone else to come. You know, I think that especially with our Christmas offering, as we look to our, our digital ministry expanding and who, what, who are we making room for by reaching out more and more to the people that are outside of these walls. So we make room for Jesus by bringing him our treasures regardless of the size. You know, as I was um, just starting to think about this message, I started thinking about, like, what would I bring Jesus? What's my treasure? What is most valuable in my life that I would bring to him? And I have to be honest that I was kind of coming up blank. I feel like this year has been like a take and take and take and take year. And some days I don't really feel like I have anything left to give feel a little bit weary, worn out, broken. 
So I don't know if any of you are feeling that way, but if you are, I wanted to encourage you with a verse. Um, one of my best friends sent me this verse. She's one of those friends that I've known since middle school, and we've always been at the same stage of life. Like, we got married the same year. We had kids the same year. We've always been kind of, you know, right at the same spot. And she lost her dad this year, suddenly, just two months after I left, lost my mom. So again, <laughs> not that either of us wanted to be in this spot, but we're right there. Um, and she sent me this verse from Isaiah, Isaiah 45, 3. And it says, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. And the NLT version of this, I love, it says, I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. You know, she and I talked about this verse. We just talked about how in, when you're in that spot, in the darkness, you can feel so alone. But we see from this verse that it's in that darkness that God will give you secret riches, will give you treasures, things that you wouldn't have known about him, found out about him, wouldn't have known about yourself in places where it wasn't quite as dark. So if you're in a spot where you don't feel like you have any treasure to give Jesus, just know that he is your treasure, that he's there in the darkness with you. So wherever you're at, this Christmas season. Let's pray together now that he would show us how to choose him as our treasure, how to move aside what doesn't matter as much and focus on him alone. Let's pray. Father God, you are everything. You are the creator of this world, of this universe, and yet you love us with the personal love of a father, a heavenly, perfect father. God, you are our treasure, and we confess that there are times when we do not treat you as such, and God, we are sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, for the times that I push you aside for other things that don't matter as much. God, you are precious to us. Help us to choose you, this spirit, this, help us to choose you this season and Holy Spirit, nudge us, wake us up when we're not doing that. Lord, we want all choose you. We want to seek you. We want to worship you. We want to bring you all we have because it is all from you. We love you, Lord. We pray in your son's name. Amen. If you're ready to take a next step of faith, if you want to find out more about how to choose Jesus, about what that looks like, why it's important, we'd love for you to text next to this number on the screen or to go to communityofhope.church slash next. And now if you're able, would you stand to receive this benediction? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. All right, invite someone to Christmas this week. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week, you guys.